Hey there, this is Gregory Williams, and I'm the senior pastor of Transform Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope the following presentation really inspires you to deepen your faith walk and encourages you along your journey. Enjoy the message. How many of you consider yourself to be an influencer? Raise your hand. One, a couple of you. That's awesome. A couple of you. Well, my goal this morning is to help change your mind on how you see yourself. All right? You with me? Are you in? All right? That's my goal. And I want to help you see what an influencer actually is. What are we? We are in, right? So put those, that list up on the screen again. Let's look at that list again because we've gone through this. Week number one, we discovered that... All right, I'm invited. Week two, we saw that we are, I'm invaluable, right? And today we're going to talk about I'm influential, right? And that's why I asked you to raise your hand. And probably three of you raised your hand. Three of you said, next week is going to be an important week. It's actually concluding the series. It's going to be amazing. And it's going to be I'm, is the list on the screen? I'm invested. I'm invested in God's work. Are you invested in God's work? Are you invested? Another way to look at it is this. God created you for a purpose. He designed you with a plan in mind. And when He did that, He invested His purpose in you. Right? He invested His purpose in you. So the question is, are you invested in yourself to fulfill God's purpose in your life? Right? So are you in? All right, we're in. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning. We honor you and we bless you. We praise you and we worship you. We give you all glory and honor. We ask, oh God, that you continue to just touch every life, renew every heart, refresh every mind, and continue to let your word have free course in every life this morning. We ask, oh God, that you open up our hearts, that we receive what you have in store for us. And I believe, Lord God, that you are present. I believe that you're working in people's hearts. I believe, oh God, that you're going to do amazing and wonderful things in the midst of us. We give you all glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, church. Now, one thing that I'm asking us to do is let's be in. Let's be invested. Let's be vocal. Let's be, you know, really believing what God has for us, right? Because why else do we come? We come because we believe that God has a word for us. We believe that God has something for us. And I believe that, you know, and I, I believe we're called to be the light of the world, to show God's love, to display His grace, to display His, His goodness to everyone around us. And I'm going to give you a statement that we're going, that's going to resonate right through this message. All right? Are you ready? And I pray that it'll really impact your life. It'll really be something that you take on board and you plant in the recesses of your heart and embrace the reality of this truth. And here it is. You have no idea how one conversation, one word of encouragement or one expression of love might change someone's life. Amen? You have no idea how God might use one word, one moment, one generous expression of love for another person to impact and change and transform a life. It's so important that we understand that. And when I asked you earlier... How many of you see yourself as an influencer? Probably three of you raised your hand, right? And most of us didn't raise our hand. 
And the question then is, why don't we consider ourselves to be influencers? What do we actually think an influencer is? And, you know, I think culture has something to do with it. I think culture has hijacked the meaning of what an influencer actually is. And so I decided to look up, you know, I did a little search. I looked up to see what actually articles or things say about influencer. And so I typed it into Google. And the first thing that came up, this is what it says. I typed in influencer, and this is what came up, the number one thing. All right, you ready? An influencer is someone in your niche or industry with sway over your target audience. Influencers have specialized knowledge, authority, or insight into a specific subject. Their pre-existing presence in a niche makes them a useful launching pad for brands in search of credibility. And if you read that, I, that's why I think most of us didn't raise our hands. Right? Because we don't find ourselves in that. Really, is that what an influencer is? Right? Someone who has Twitter followers... Someone who has a mass of following who can influence people to buy a certain brand, you know, and like certain things. Is really that, is that what we consider ourselves influencers? Someone who influences to buy certain products? I'm confused, you know. Because when I was growing up, and maybe I'm not that much further along than most of us, but my influencers were teachers and mentors and coaches and adults and people in our lives that did something important, maybe you know, an important figure in some industry that had a great sort of influence. Those were the influences that I looked up to. But today, apparently, it's you know, the Twitter followers and people that have all of this stuff. And if you're a brand-conscious person that wants to advertise something, that's what influences is. And unfortunately, culture has hijacked what it means for us to consider what an influencer really is, right? And in our world, you have to be a celebrity. You know, you have to be someone who is a content creator, like a YouTube star, or Twitter star, or, you know, Instagram celebrity that amass great numbers of followers. And that's the world we live in, right? And I really think that people are confused as to what an influencer is. Because I don't think that these people actually have a lasting influence on anything. It's a momentary thing, right? They post a subject, people like it or follow, and then it's gone. What I want to do today is I want to reclaim the word influencer. All right? You with me? Are you in? We want to reclaim that word influencer. And I want you to see yourself as an influencer. Because you have no idea, again, what God could do. One word of encouragement, one momentary display of love, one embrace of God's goodness to someone else can change and transform someone's life. And all of us have the power to do that. So as Christ follows, wherever you are on that journey, you might have just started that journey. You might have not even decided to go on the journey yet. But let me tell you one thing. You're welcome here. This is a place that you'll be loved and embraced. And more so, we need to find out what Christ actually says about being influencers. I think that's important, don't you? To discover what Jesus actually said. And so 
we're going to encounter Jesus as we go to Matthew chapter 5. You know, Jesus has started to attract large crowds. He's going around from village to village, from, you know, the countryside, looking and searching and explaining the kingdom of God, talking about the goodness of God, displaying God's love, talking about what the kingdom really means. And so there's a lot of people that have discovered him. He's doing miracles, and so he's amassed quite an extensive following. People are following him around. And when we encounter Jesus here in Matthew 5, he has attracted a significantly large crowd. And he begins to talk, and he gives one of the most famous sermons that we know. It's called the Beatitudes. You know, have a good attitude, right? That's not what he says, but that's what it's called, the Beatitudes. And he shares the core qualities of what it really means to be a follower and an influencer. And he says that all of us, All of us Christ followers are to be like this. In fact, what he actually says is, this is who you are. He doesn't say you need to be this. He says, this is who you are. Right? If you're a Christ follower, this is who you are. And he uses two metaphors in Matthew. Matthew chapter 5 verse 13. He says, you are the salt of the earth. He doesn't say be the salt. He says, you are the salt of the earth. You in that? You in? All right. He says you are. So turn to your neighbor and say, you're salty. (laughs) Don't be too salty now. You know, salty means in these days you're giving us a bad look, but you're salty, right? Because why? Salt purifies. Salt adds flavor. Salt preserves. Right? And so this is what Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about our modern term where we think, oh, you're being a bit, you know, nasty. You're giving me dirty looks. That's what salty means in today's culture. But when Jesus said you're salty, he means you're preserving, that you have influence, that you add flavor to the world. Think about it. That you bring flavor to an otherwise bland world. That's amazing. You ever had bland food? No salt or anything. It doesn't taste that great. You just sprinkle a little bit of salt, especially on some chips, and it's heaven, right? <laughs> salt adds flavor. Then in verse 14, he says this, You are the light. Everyone say, You are the light. Turn to your other neighbor and say, You're shiny this morning. <laughs> say, You are really shiny. <laughs> right? He said this, you're salt, and then Jesus adds this. He says, you are the light of the world. You're shiny. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Why would you light a lamp and hide it under something? You wouldn't, right? Instead, they put it on stands, and it gives light to everyone in the house. It just shines. You know, this light bulb doesn't have to think about shining. It just naturally shines because that's what it is. And so when Jesus says you are the light, he's not saying I want you to shine. He's saying you are already shining. Just be what you are. And when he's talking about the salt, he's saying you are already salty. You're actually bringing flavor. You don't have to try to be salty. You actually already are salty. I love this, right? So let your love influence people towards Jesus. Let your light shine that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, looking at that through the eyes of Jesus, let's reclaim the true meaning of what it means to be an influencer. Amen? 
And I'm not against influencers in our culture. I think it's important that we actually are on social media. I'm on Instagram. I'm just not on Facebook at the moment. And I want our social media to influence culture in a positive light. And all of us that are on social media, we have the opportunity, whether we realize it or not, to influence people around us. So whether you have a physical platform or whether you have a digital platform, you're actually standing somewhere to influence others on something. Whether it's shouting from the rooftops or just sharing something, you have the ability to influence someone. The problem with our current view of influence that is, is, is this, and this is the view. It typically starts with a platform. Right? And so we think the size of our platform determines the scope of our influence. The size of our platform determines the scope of our influence. So if we think we have a small platform, that means we don't think we have a big influence. And so if you think you don't have any followers on Twitter or Facebook, that means you don't think you have a broader influence. And that's not necessarily true. I think, truthfully, it starts with something different. I believe that true and lasting influence always starts with people before a platform. It starts with people before a platform. Who is the person in front of you? In whatever arena of life, who is the person in front of you? It starts with this. It starts with the good news that all of us have people around us most of the time. Right? You go to work, you have people around you. You go to the shopping center, you have people around you. When you're on Facebook or even online, there's digital people around you. You might not just see it, but they are. Because when you like or you post, everyone that is your friend gets to see what you do. And you don't have to do much, but you're influencing them in a certain way. Let me share this with you. So it's a question who do you think influenced me to be a pastor? Anyone? What do you think? If you said God, you're 100% right. But that's not the complete picture. Right? We're missing a whole chunk of information. Absolutely, yes. But here's it is. I was a retail manager. I was working in a sporting goods store. And, you know, part of my job was to hire people. And so I hired a bunch of people. I had to sit there and do interviews and, you know, go through a whole thing and talk to people. And so I hired someone. I had, well, not one person. I had many people over the years. But this one particular person that I hired was an influence on my life. You know, we became friends, and he invited me to church. And so I went to church. Long story short, gave my life to Jesus Christ, heard the word of God that transformed my life, and had a leading from God to become what I am today, right? Then I'm standing here in Australia because that's a huge journey from Canada to Australia. Again, people came into my life that influenced me, that made changes in my life. Ask yourself a question. Who influenced you to be a transformed church this morning? Who influenced you to be here at some point in your life? Someone did something. And you say, yes, it was God, but there was something along the way. 
some little thing that nudged you this way and that way. Someone influenced you in certain ways. See, sometimes God brings people into our life that nudge us in the direction that he wants us to go. And they don't necessarily have to stay in our life permanently. They might just be there for a season. They just might be there for a moment that nudges in the direction. There's so many people in my life that have no idea the impact they have on my life because they shared a moment of their time with me. And they don't even have an idea that they changed my life. But they did because they were there for a moment. They said something or showed me something that influenced me to do something. You know... There's a picture I want you to look on screen. This week I was at Port Lonsdale. We went there for a short three days. And that's a ferry. You can take that ferry across from, you know, Queenscliff to Sorrento. And it's a beautiful place. It's not much to do. You know, you have a beach and two little restaurants and that's it. <laughs> so one day we went across the ferry. It takes about a half an hour to get from, you know, Queenscliff to Sorrento. And I was sitting there waiting for this ferry to come in. And what you might notice is, I don't know if you can see it quite clearly on the picture, just at the front of the ferry, there's this huge two concrete pillars. You see them? One's painted a bit blue. They have like some graffiti on it. And other one's on the other side. And as this ferry comes in, you know, I'm sure the skill of the captain is great. But as it comes in, there's these two mighty massive concrete structures that the ferry bumps up against and it nudges in to the right place. Right? It nudges it in. It doesn't have the ability to float. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't carry passengers. But it's just stationary concrete pillars that are planted there that help nudge the ferry into the right position. Right? And I was thinking about that. And I was thinking about sometimes there's people in our life that God brings in that help nudge us in the right direction. You know, they don't go with them on the journey. The people got on the boat. There's many cars that got on that ferry and went across. Those pillars don't go with the ferry on the journey, but they help nudge the ferry into the right position so that people can get on it and go on their journey to their destination. See, sometimes there's people that come into our life, and we are the same way. We go into other people's lives, and we're not there permanently, but we nudge people because of God's grace in our life, our expression of love and our display of His grace, and other people's display of grace in our life that help nudge us in the right direction, that help us on our journey, and they become influences in our lives. Here's what I hope you understand. Influence isn't always obvious. Influence isn't always obvious. When you look at that, you don't think about those pillars standing at the side of the ferry. You think, oh, they're just there to maroon the ferry, and they are. But without them, the ferry could land anywhere. There's no actual place for them to get in. Do you understand what I'm saying? So they're just as important. They might not be a huge thing and say, well, you know, it's not taking me on my journey. It's not getting me to my destination. But In order for you to get on the ferry, it has to be positioned in the right direction, in the right place, so cars and people can get on board. And it's the same thing in our life. There's people that help nudge us in the right direction that can help us get to a place that we need to, or we can help other people get to a place that they need to. And influence isn't always obvious, but it is essential. Influence isn't always instant. Just because you don't see a harvest doesn't mean that the seed has not 
taken root. Amen? Again, you have no idea how God might use you in one moment to plant a seed that will grow into real and lasting influence in the life of somebody that you love or you've touched or you've just met for a moment in your life. In fact, I want to show you a story today, perhaps one of my favorite stories in all of Scripture, the most unlikely influencer perhaps in the whole of the New Testament. The story takes place in John John chapter 4. And it's about a woman again. We encountered a woman on the first episode. And here we are again with this woman. And I think women have a special place in God's heart. Especially in the life and ministry of Jesus. Because they were so put down. They were so downtrodden. They weren't seen anything that he came and he elevated them into a state of prominence. In spite of what the culture was around them. The context of the story is this, that Jesus was on a trip, on a journey. He was going to pass through Samaria. And if you know anything about Samaria, anything about the Samaritans, they were not the greatest of friends with the Jews. Right? In fact, the Jews didn't interact with the Samaritans at all because Samaritans were half Jewish. And the Jewish looked at them as polluted individuals because they diluted the purity of Jewish blood. And so they were considered less than dogs, right? They weren't considered worth anything. They would have less meaning in a life of a Jew than a dog would have. You would never, if you were self, any self-respecting Jewish person, interact with a Samaritan, especially a Samaritan woman who was even lower than a Samaritan. Well, Jesus shocks everyone. He shocks his disciples Because he sits down by a well in the middle of the day for a rest. And a Samaritan woman comes along. And his disciples, they actually were totally confounded. He sends them along. He says, go and get me something to eat because I'm tired. And they off they trot along to the city. And he sits there and he starts a conversation with this woman. Again, the scripture says, a sinful woman that comes to the well. She comes, notice, in the middle of the day. There's no other women around. It's not a traditional time for her to come because she's been ostracized, not just from the Jewish people, but from her own community as well. But Jesus starts the conversation. He dignifies her and throws her completely off guard by addressing her. She recognized that she, he was a Jew. He was dressed in Jewish apparel as a rabbi. You have certain attire on that would have rec- they would have recognized. And so she knows that this is a Jewish rabbi. And any self-respecting Jewish rabbi, again, would not even come close to a Samaritan woman. But Jesus initiates the conversation with her. And Scripture says in John verse 9, he says, The woman was surprised. She was shocked. She was overwhelmed. She was beside herself. She never expected. This was unheard of that a Jewish man would have a conversation with her. No one would approach her. This was weird and bizarre. It's funny business. She was surprised. And she said to Jesus, You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Because if you touch the vessel I'm touching, you'd be unclean. You'd have to go through a seven-day purification ceremony in order to make yourself clean again. Why would you ask and why would you touch? Jesus responds and he says, If only the gift, if you knew the gift of God that God has for you, 
and who you're asking to and who you're speaking to. So I would give you water and I would give you life-giving water. She's intrigued but confused. She says, but you don't have any bucket. How are you going to get the water? You're asking me for water and now you're offering me water, but how are you going to get this water you're offering me? I'm confused. Jesus replies, anyone who drinks of the water that I give will never thirst again. You'll never be thirsty again. And again, it's an intriguing conversation. If you put yourself in a place, there's this rabbi who shouldn't be talking to you, having a conversation with you, offering something that he can possibly offer because he he has no vessel to bring the water up to give to you. And then he offers you not just one drink of water, but everlasting water. It's an intriguing conversation. This woman notices something is different. right? And she says, please, sir, may I have some of this life-giving water then? So I don't have to come here every day to take this water. And Jesus says to him in verse 16, he says this. He responds and he says, go and get your husband. She says, well, I have no husband. Jesus says, you are right, you don't have a husband, for you've had five husbands, and the one that you're shacking up with now is not your husband. He doesn't dilute the truth. Right? He doesn't say, well, you know, you're this righteous woman. He says, this is who you are. She perceives something. She says, how could you have possibly known about that? I perceive that you're a prophet because no one else in their natural mind would be able to discover or know anything about my life and my past. So you must be some sort of prophet. There wasn't a Jewish man anywhere who would have interacted with this woman. But yet Jesus approaches her with love and dignity and truth. He doesn't put her down. He just brings out truth. He honors her by having a conversation. Knowing that she was cast out from the Jewish culture and from her community. Divorced five times and now shacking up. In this day and age, those eyebrows would be raised in church today. Imagine what it was like then. People would have seen her coming and shunned her. They would have whispered to people, Oh, don't let your husband get close to her because she's a man-stealing woman. No one would have liked her. No one would have talked to her. No one would have had anything to do with her. She would have been ostracized. But yet Jesus has a conversation with this woman who has been so despised. Knowing that one touch from heaven can completely change her heart. He doesn't stop her past from him interacting with her. He doesn't stop, you know, all the issues that she has, all the problems that she has. He doesn't stop that interaction. He actually goes towards that interaction because he's interested in every single person. That is such good news for all of us today because all of us have a past. All of us have issues. All of us have mess back there. And the amazing thing is that Jesus doesn't look at our past and our problems. He still comes towards us because he's interested in us. And he knows that one touch, one display of love, one conversation can completely transform our life. And it dawns on her 
It dawns on us, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I've heard things that there's going to come a Messiah. And the Messiah is one that's going to heal our land and make everything right. And we've been hearing rumors about this. And we've been praying for this. And maybe, just maybe, this is that guy. It dawns on her. Why would a Jewish man speak to me? I have no honor. I have no respect. Nothing in my life that's going to be anything positive. Perhaps this is the guy that we've been waiting for. Perhaps this is him. Perhaps this is the Messiah. She leaves her vessel. She runs to a village. And in spite of the fact that no one wants to listen to her or even believe her, because they think that she's a sinful woman, she tells everyone, come see a man that has told me everything that I ever knew or was. And people listen. In spite of the fact that she's not liked, in spite of the fact that she's despised, in spite of the fact that she's ostracized, people listen to her. And they come out to see Jesus. Along the way, his disciples come up. And come back. But what I want you to notice is this. What happened? The people came streaming from the village to see Jesus. What do we see in this powerful story? What do you actually see? First of all, no matter how bad your life is, how messed up it is, you're not too far gone for the love of Jesus to reach you. Amen? Amen. Then we see this outcast, this town person that's despised. The one that everyone would whisper about. This broken woman, this messed up woman, the woman that no one wants to talk to. The one who was called immoral immediately becomes an influencer. She becomes influential. Her story shows us that you don't have to have it all together to influence someone else towards Jesus. You don't have to know it all. You don't have to have a seminary degree. You don't have to pray powerful prayers and know exactly where the scriptures is in the Bible. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to have all things fixed in your life to be an influence. You just have to know who Jesus is and care about the people around you. That's it. You can immediately be the light of the world. You can immediately be the salt because of who Jesus is in your life. You just have to care about people around you. You don't need 4,000 followers on Twitter. You don't need a million likes on Instagram. You don't need to have all of this thing going on in your life. You just need to care about the person in front of you. Wherever that is, in your life, wherever that is in your journey of life, whether it's at work or school or, or on, the, you know, on the train, on the bus, wherever it is, just care about the person in front of you. Listen carefully, church. You don't have to have, to have it all together. You don't have to have everything in your life fixed. You don't even have to know everything. You just have to let your light shine. You just have to let the salt do what it does. That's it. You have no idea how one word of encouragement, one word of hope, one expression of love might influence someone towards Jesus. And it doesn't have to be obvious, and it doesn't have to be instant. 
This woman goes back to a village and tells everyone. The disciples, as I said, come and they say to Jesus, we brought you food, aren't you hungry? And he goes, I've already eaten. <laughs> That's what he says. And they like look around and they see this woman go off and they're thinking, what's going on here? Right? There's something, you know, but no one says anything. This, the scripture says they didn't say anything, but they thought it. And he just said, I've had plenty to eat. They're like, really? You did? He goes, yeah, to do the will of my father is my food. And then he says something amazing. He goes, look, the harvest is ready, but the laborers are few. And they're thinking, this guy is nuts, <laughs> right? Because, first of all, why is he talking to this Samaritan woman? Doesn't he know that we Jews, we don't want to have anything to do with these people? Then they talk about he's eaten food. He just sent us in to, you know, get food. We traveled all the way. We brought the food back. And now he says he's not hungry. He's already eaten. What did he eat? Now he's talking about the harvest. I'm like, he must be having dementia or something. Because he's going from one subject to the other. But Jesus is very precise in what he does. He doesn't do anything by accident. He does everything on purpose. And so his conversation with this woman has an undertow, a substrate of information that's going to bring a whole diverse community to come to Christ. They didn't believe that one Samaritan should believe in God, but he brought a whole village to him through the influence of one woman. They come out and they say, come to our village, and Jesus stayed there two days. And the scripture says that many Samaritans believed on him. In fact, most of the whole village came to acknowledge him. He says the harvest is plenty. For today, let me say for our purposes today, we can look at it this way. It says, listen to this, the field is ripe for the harvest, but the influences are few. There's many fields out there that are waiting for influence, but the influences are few. Because remember at the start I said, would you consider yourself an influencer? And only three people raised their hand. But listen to what Jesus said. He says, you are salt and you are light. Not be the salt and be the light. He says, you are the salt and are the light. Which means you already are an influence. You don't see yourself in that fashion because you think you don't have a platform. But Jesus says, you already have a platform. He is the platform. And you just have to be willing to be what he asks you to be. The salt and the light. Don't let culture rob you from categorizing yourself as an influencer because you have a huge influence on someone's life because you don't know who's watching. You don't know who's observing. There's a saying in Christian circles that goes around that says, some people never read the Bible because you are the only Bible that people read. You never know who's watching you. And you think you have no influence. But let me remind you, just sharing stuff on social media influences others. They might not like, they might not comment, but they definitely see. And you have an opportunity, and you don't understand the opportunity you have, that all of us have, to be influencers in our society, whatever the platform it is that you have. All of us have a platform. This woman goes back and tells everybody. Verse 39 says again, Many Samaritans came to believe in Jesus. One unlikely woman told them, Jesus told me everything I did. And the whole village 
came to know him. Who did God use? Not an Instagram star, not a professional athlete, not a celebrity, not some movie star, not a content creator, just an ordinary, broken, sinful woman who has been transformed by one moment with Jesus. And all of us have the same ability to influence others. Even though we might not have our life together, even though we might not have everything together, please understand this church. You are an influencer because Jesus said you are salt and you are light. Not that you're going to be in some point in the future. You are already that now. And so you have no idea again. I come back to this that resonates right through this message. You have no idea what one word of encouragement, one expression of love, one embrace at the door, one smile that can change someone's life as they come to church. You have that influence because Christ has put that on you. So when you greet people, when you smile at people, when people are uncomfortable and you make them comfortable, when they're nervous and you embrace them and they feel that love, you are an influencer. When you share something on Facebook that the church is having, whether it's a prayer meeting or an event or a comment or a scripture or your post that's happened on Sunday, you're influencing them. And as I said, they might not ever like it, but they see what you do and how you live. And that helps nudge people in the direction that God wants them to go. Remember I talked about that ferry? Those pillars, they didn't travel on the journey with all the, the cars and the people, but it nudged them into the right position so that other people can get to their destination. And sometimes that's what happens in our life. If you know Jesus, you are salt and you are light. Let your salt do what it does. Let your light shine because God has created you to have influence and to influence others to the love of Jesus. So let's start being what God has asked us to be. Amen? Are we in? You sure you're in? Amen. Father, we ask this morning that the power of your Son, Jesus Christ, will fall upon us and we actually begin to see each other and see ourselves that the way the Scriptures tell us about ourselves. Amen? Amen? So let's stand. We're praying together this morning. I want to challenge you. Last week I gave you some homework. I'm going to give you some homework this week again. Is that okay? Yeah? Yeah? All right. You sure? One person said yes. All right. Let me ask you a question. From the start of the sermon to now, do you see yourself as an influencer? Are you an influencer? Yes. Amen. It's good to see much more hands up. We are influencers. Everything we do, everything we share, everything we talk about has an impact on people around us whether they acknowledge it or not. And that's not what we're called to do. We don't need to acknowledge what people do or not do. You know, you don't have to go around and say, well, do you believe what I believe? No, you just share what you believe. It doesn't matter what they do. They can believe or not believe. That's not what you're called to do. You're just called to be salt. Some people like extra salt. Some people like less salt. Right? Sometimes when I go to like shops, they put so much salt in it, I can't even taste the food. I'm like, I have salt with my food, right? Not food with my salt. <laughs> you get salt and then some food added on. But 
Salt has this amazing quality of preserving, bringing flavor. Light has this amazing quality of dispelling darkness. One tiny spark in the whole of a city of darkness can be seen from miles away. Darkness can never overcome light. And that's what Christ calls us, light. We are the light of the world. We are the salt of the world. That's what he said. Amen? So let's pray together. Father, we thank you this morning. I pray, Lord God, that all of us begin to see each other and see ourselves through your eyes. I pray, Lord God, that we will extend our influence, whether it's an online platform, whether it's in person, whether it's in our workplaces, in our schools, in our our encounters, in shopping centers, wherever it is, oh God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that your words will resonate in our hearts and in our spirits. That, Jesus, we will respond with love and embrace that we choose to obey and to live and to be what you've called us to be. And as we think about who influenced us in so many areas of our life, maybe to become what we've become and to act the way we act and to live the way we act and maybe even to dress the way that we dress. There's so many people in our life that have influenced us to become what we are, especially to follow you. And so, Lord God, help us see the same thing in us, that we can influence others in things we do, in things we say. Help others realize that they can follow you and they can follow you without believing at first, but follow you and then come to believe. Lord, I pray that the life-giving water that you offered this woman at the well begins to fill our soul and our spirit as well, the living water that begins to transform our life. And help us see the words that you say, Lord God, that the harvest truly is plentiful and there's many areas in our life that we can be influencers in. It's just bountiful, but the influences are few. And I pray that we'll take up that word of faith and we'll become and be what you've called us to be and that we are invested, we are in this, not for the short term, but for the long haul. And so, Lord, together as a, as a church, as a community of believers, as Christ followers, we stand on the truth that we hold on to this fact that we are influencers and that we are influential to the people around us. We thank you. And we praise you. Church, repeat after me if you will. Heavenly Father, forgive my sins. Change my life. Make me new. Jesus, I believe you died for me. And you rose again. So I could know you, Father. Fill me with your spirit. That I can follow you. That I can know you. That I can be the light. I can be the salt. I give it all to you. Thank you for a new life. Thank you for making me yours. I give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you put your hands together and give him some praise? Amen. Hello again, and thank you so much for listening. I really hope that message has encouraged you. Would you please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review? This really helps others get exposed to this uplifting message. I would also love for you to share this message with a friend or someone you think would be really inspired and blessed by this. Sharing this on social media like Facebook 
really does help others also get this free content. I'm honored you chose to spend some of your valuable time with us. Have an amazing day.